The New Testament reading this morning is from Colossians, and it's chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of God. Thanks, Terry. Well, um, we've had an amazing intro, and it so saves me a lot of time in my sermon, which is good. <laughs> so let's get straight into the passage. Um, this is from the, Paul's letter to the, the church in Colossae, the, the Colossians, um, and he's explaining how the lordship of Christ is to be lived out. And this passage is going to give us um, great instruction on how we can approach um, our mission in life, because the, the kind of that conflict we experience as um, if you're a Christian living in, in Australia today of how do you even communicate to people who aren't that interested or who are even opposed to your faith, um, Paul and his, uh, the early church experienced in the Roman Empire. He talks in the letter about Christ's exclusive role in salvation, about the Christian life in general, and then he gets at the end of the letter to talk about this word outsiders, which is a word that makes us feel a bit uncomfortable today, and I'll talk about that a bit later. And he has basically three main suggestions or instructions, or I'll go even stronger than that. He, he sort of says it really strongly. He says, I want you to be watchful, wise, and winsome. Easy to remember, three Ws. He, says, beginning, he begins by saying, be watchful, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In, uh, verses two, in verse 2. And if you go on to the rest of the, the, the next few verses, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So he's saying pray all the time. He's not saying pray intensely like a really full-on religious person, putting on big words and in a special voice and quoting the King James Bible, but he's saying just habitually pray. Pray all the time. Just like what Jesus said to the disciples in the parable of the persistent widow, that they should always pray and not give up. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that they should pray continually as well. Bring your requests to God. And Paul himself in this passage gives a whole a shopping list. Um, yesterday in our leadership day, training day, I said that we've got seven goals this year and the first one is that we want to increase the amount of prayer that happens in our church. A really basic thing for a church to do, but a very, very important. Um, and so some of the ways we want to do that are just by building on what we've already got in place, having more people come to the monthly prayer meetings. The first one's on February the 25th. Monday the 20, February the 25th. Try and commit to at least one or two of them a year. Um, coming early before church instead of coming late, come early and pray uh, with other people. Pray with your community group. Um, because being prayerful is the beginning of how we can potentially bring the message of Jesus to the world. Um, it's the only way through God's power. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says to be watchful. He gives some detail to what kind of prayer we're talking about. They should be watchful. They should be awake and have a heightened awareness of what's going on around them. These are the days when Christians are in the now but the not yet. They're sort of, the kingdom has come but they're not in heaven yet. And so um, as they wait for Jesus to return, uh, they're to be watchful as they look around and understand the people around them and their own lives. All the New Testament writers push this point. Peter the Apostle says that they are to be be alert and sober-minded. Peter says, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Being watchful for me is, is, is about getting beyond thinking about my, me and my own needs in my own life and starting to um, pay attention to the, the responses or to, to the lives of the people around me. I had an experience this week of where I felt like I was watchful. Um, uh, and it was, we had the first day of prep and there was a mum who we knew, Joe and I knew, and we said, how was your holidays? And um, she actually said, oh, I moved out. Um, this, so it was a really hard holiday. Moved to Brunswick. And, um, and, and I had two, you know, the, the, the first re- response that you want to make to someone like that is you, you kind of, oh, I'm sorry. But then another part of me, the watchful part, sort of came to the surface and I thought, I, fe- I feel like um, I can respond to this more. I feel like I can pray for this person. I feel like I can um, be involved in, in, in her life and, and Joe offered her phone number. And um, being watchful is being open to the people around you and thinking, how can I respond? How can I pray for this person and not um, just stop at the kind of polite conversation? It's ante- anticipating the fact that God's going to use you on any given day, any given moment. Part of the trick, though, of being watchful in your prayer life, as you engage with people around you, Paul says, is that you should try and pray in a way that's thankful. Because the difficulty is, if you have a kind of a a thankless prayer life or a thankless attitude to life, always thinking about the things that are wrong, always thinking about ways that your life could be different, then it's hard to actually be watchful. Uh, But if you're thankful, if you're thankful for what Jesus has done for you, how he's changed your life, how he's forgiven you, how you're a child of God. If you're thankful for the blessings that you've received in your life, then you're going to be more likely to have an openness to other people. You put your own issues aside and you look out for other people. And Paul takes this attitude of being watchful and thankful and he moves to this idea of having praying for open doors of opportunity. He says... You know, pray, pray that I can have an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And, and in my experience, when you do pray that prayer, uh, that God answers it. He likes us to pray that prayer. Um, please give me today an opportunity to talk to someone about my faith. I challenge you this week to pray that prayer and see what happens. And be watchful and thankful in your prayer life as you're doing it suddenly your whole posture might change as you do that. It doesn't matter even how complicated your life. You might say, oh, that's all right for the apostle to do that or it's all right for the minister at my church to be like this. But my life is too complicated. 
you know, I'm busy or whatever. But look at Paul. He says, um, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's in prison and he's praying this prayer. So be watchful as you uh, think about how to approach the people around you, how to bring Jesus to the world. Secondly, he says to be wise in verse 5. He asks, he says to the Christians in in Colossae, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Now we're in an egalitarian culture where I know the, the word outsiders might grate against you, this idea of an us and a them um, uh, because we don't want to emphasise the difference. Um, and there was, there was a period in the early 2000s, late 90s, where a lot of Christian writers tried to get around this concept of outsiders. And um, there was a book that I read, which I quite enjoyed much of it, called Christianity uh, by Dave Andrews, an Australian writer who, who lives in Brisbane, a bit of a hippie. And, um, but he had this idea of... Um, uh, instead of thinking about an outside and an inside in the church, that you think about um, it being like a paddock in a farm where you have, like, in the middle of the paddock, the, the water trough and all the sheep are out there and they're different sheep are at different distances from the water trough and some are coming in and some are further away. But they're all in proximity to the centre in different ways, facing in different directions, rather than a hard boundary around the outside. Maybe that's helpful for you. The, 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 the difficulty is, though, there are people who don't, don't identify with the Christian faith, who don't identify with the church. In fact, some who are repelled. Uh, so we, this word of outsiders, maybe we can just sort of go with it, even though it makes us feel a bit uncomfortable. It probably made a, a lot of sense to those who were um, living in Christian community because literally they're outside the house. Um, anyway, he says towards these outsiders, these people who don't believe in Jesus, that um, you should be wise. It's the same point Jesus says um, in Matthew ten 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Christians should conduct, uh, govern their conduct with people who are not believers with wisdom. What, what do we mean by that? Well, it's kind of like a biblical wisdom. Uh, earlier in, Coloss- in the letter of Colossians, Paul says to put on the new self. Our minds are to be renewed by God's spirit. Wisdom will enable us to work out how, in given situations, our new way of thinking will, uh, cond- will shape our uh, behaviour. Paul says at the beginning of the letter, he says, I've been continually praying to God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. One of the reasons um, the Christians in this church needed to be wise was because some of the outsiders were actually trying to come in and cause division. They were false teachers. And uh, this is a good lesson for us because while... um, we, we should be aware of resisting the wrong kind of outside influence. Um, there's a great podcast the staff have been listening to together um, by Mark Sayers, and, um, a Melbourne pastor from Blackburn, and um, he makes this point that there was a period when it was really trendy for Christians in Australia to 
young adult Christians to um, try and do ministry and mission by going out to outsiders. Um, so, so for example, they'd say, oh, let's do pub church. And they'd just go out as a bunch of young adults and hang out in the pub. And that would be their outreach and their mission. And the problem was, over time, the, um, what, we, what you saw happening with many um, of these groups doing this is that the young adults who were doing it would eventually sort of become discouraged in their faith for whatever reason and lose their faith. And Mark's point was that actually they were persuaded more by the outsider culture, by the post-Christian secular um, postmodern culture of Mel- Melbourne and Australia, that that actually they were there was like a reverse mission occurred. They were persuaded into the the new, you know the the new culture. There's a wisdom that's required as we relate to people. Um, are, are we are we tempted by other people's lives and lifestyles and wealth and decisions that they're making? Um, being a Christian in, and doing mission involves wisdom. The other thing to think about is, do we have the time to be able to spend with people? So, you know, if we were going to respond in a watchful and thankful way to people in prayer um, and be wise in our conduct, do we even have the time for them? That guy I mentioned earlier, Dave Andrews, he started a, a, a mission, a ministry called the Waiters Union. And the point of the Waiters Union was to give... Christians, the opportunity to work less, they'd join up for a year and they might work for a few days a week instead of the whole week and they'd wait, wait for, to see what God would use them for. And it was an opportunity to have margin in their life. Um, I, I encourage you to think about your own life. Do you even have the margin in your life to be able to do this? The challenge for me as I think about this woman at, at, at church, you know, if we were to invite her into our family life, do we have, do we have the margin in our lives to be able to do that? Um, I hope and pray that we can. Um, it's the, I think it's one of the number one challenges to people in our church, margin and time. That requires wisdom. And the last thing I just want to say is um, from the passage is that uh, Paul's saying that we should be winsome, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, make sure that when you do have conversations with people who think of themselves as no religion tribes, um, make sure that they are encouraging and positive and attractive. Paul says that our speech should be seasoned with salt. It's hard to know what he means by this. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for it to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And in Mark 9.50, Jesus says, Salt is good, but it loses its saltiness. How can you make it salty again? Have salt in, your, in yourselves and be at peace with each other. It's most likely the case that Paul is calling on the Christians in Colossae to speak to their unbelieving neighbours and friends with gracious, warm and winsome words, with the purpose to be able to talk about faith and life, to talk about Jesus. He assumes that they'll be asking them questions about their faith, questions that may be neutral or even perhaps hostile questions. 
an appropriate Christian response will, of course, communicate um, what it means to be Christian. You don't want to be false, do you? But you do it in a way that's not defensive, not rude, not attacking. Peter makes a similar point. He says, the Apostle Peter, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, Paul's expecting these Christians to be able to hold their own in the marketplace, in the Roman baths, in the meal table, to be natural with each other. Now, I was thinking about this. My guess is that in our congregation, we probably don't struggle with this. I I would say most people here are pretty um, uh, relaxed in themselves and um, uh, winsome people. You know, this is a church which has very little conflict. In fact, pretty much no conflict. We've not, in five years, it's not been a blow-up because people are so friendly and nice, right? And I would, I would expect if I was to walk amongst you, you at your workplace and listen to your conversations, you would be really friendly and open to people and you wouldn't be judgmental and rude. But I wonder whether the struggle that we might have is the other struggle, which is that if a faith conversation did emerge, that if the person did want to ask you about your faith, that maybe we might be a church of bumblers. Uh, you know, I don't know really what to say. I, I, I go to church on Sunday and, 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 I, and I, you know, if, they are, if, you're, if a, work, a work colleague asked you what you believed, could you articulate it? What would you say? And if they sat you down and had a coffee and said, I'm really interested in talking about faith, would you know how to give an answer? Because part of salty speech and graciousness is, is the grace to be able to speak the good news of Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm fully on board with what Charity is saying. Our vision is, here is not about having strategic, tricky comebacks or a special way of talking that, you know, persuades people. I think it's more about a relationship that we form. It's, a, it, it's, it's more about an attitude, a posture, and uh, the ability to actually break down um, some of the... Uh, the, the pain and the struggles that have occurred in, in, in Australia that have caused pe- the church to really stuff it up in a lot of ways. But the, the amazing thing is, as this passage shows us, is that it's not really up to us. That it's actually God who is going to empower these conversations. It's actually God who gives us his spirit to be able to change um, people's lives. Knowing how to answer everyone is not easy, but it begins with actually trusting in God and a desire to be able to articulate your faith clearly. Please don't forget the point of this passage. We're talking about continuous prayer. So as we cultivate an open and charitable dialogue about Jesus with the no-religion tribes, Let's be watchful, wise, and winsome.